You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, July 13th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or more recently just launched, Just Baseball, or maybe Pop Culture Entertainment, if by any chance that's your, your sort thing you could check out some of my work at places like nerdist mental floss bloody disgusting film cred and inverse the latter most of which i actually have a fun piece coming out for this week stay tuned for that on thursday uh and many more hopefully to come but most importantly of this year lockdown padres podcast guys you can check out and follow twitter page for the show which is at lo underscore padres or my personal account which is at javapeno and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on either of those two accounts with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have. And I'll do my very old best to answer them here on the show or just in general interact with you guys. I'm doing that a lot more on the Lockdown Padres account especially. It's a lot of fun over there. Uh, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Lockdown MLB Prospects. It is MLB draft season. We had the first round and everything. And the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast is covering every future star of Major League Baseball. Host Arm Layton brings you player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. Subscribe to Lockdown MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. He is very, very good at what he does, Mr. Layton. He is phenomenal. Professor Layton and the Curious Prospect Village. Anybody who understands that reference, you win today. Uh, but for today's episode, guys, we're going to be recapping the the home run derby that just happened last night because, after all, it's a big story. Talking about Shohei Otani, who I think really, truly surpasses the the localization that often is, is uh, occurring in baseball. And he's just a general star that everybody should be talking about, along with our boy Tatis. And then going to be talking about just kind of almost romantically uh, talking about the good from the first half season of the Padres. Not too many stats and all that, you know what I mean? I'm not going to get into all the ground ball Eric Hosmer stuff because I feel like we all know that. We've talked about that plenty of times. Or all the, like, you know, we're not going to get into the statistical output, I guess. I just want to talk about what it was like and some of my favorite moments of the season that I think we all kind of have the same ones. Uh, I feel like the best moments of the season, I don't really have any, like, unique ones per se, but uh, I think that it should, uh, it'll be fun. So, so guys, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Not a crazy episode today, but nonetheless, a very fun one, I hope. Uh, let's talk about the Home Run Derby. So there's a couple things. First, let's let's get the bad out of the way. And I feel like it's it's you have to kind of talk about this because it was, unfortunately, the story um, yesterday in sports, and that was Stephen A. Smith's comments uh, regarding Shohei Otani. And at the time of when you guys are hearing this, he actually gave, I think, a pretty uh, good apology both on Twitter and like a written statement. And then he did this whole thing on um, First Take where Jeff Passan of MLB fame, as you guys know, their main uh, MLB person over there at ESPN, was on. They had a little bit of a back and forth just kind of talking about everything. And it was cool. It felt like they actually really did uh, – 
kind of atoned for it. And Stephen A. still gave his take on basically saying, I think still baseball, though, has a really bad marketing problem, which is true. But nonetheless, uh, whatever he was trying to say, it did not come out that way. And what it came out um, as was being incredibly racist and xenophobic, to be honest with you. I thought that was really horrid. And I think everyone agrees it was really bad comments. And he apologized. Um, And actually, I actually genuinely thought watching first take this morning that I was like, I like that they're actually like breaking this down. I guess I really appreciate that. Unlike say, and I understand, you know, like the whole Rachel Nichols thing is like internal politics and whatnot, like in terms of like it being more of an ESPN related story versus they were talking about a player. They were talking about, you know, she was talking about Maria Taylor. Uh, that whole thing, uh, was Rachel Nichols' apology was like 20 seconds long. Um, but moving on from that. Yeah. I thought that, you know, look, Shohei Otani is a star. And I think you look back at guys like Ichiro Suzuki, Hideki Matsui, um, everyone. It's it's an international sport. It's more of an international sport than than friggin' football. I mean, heck, you know, if you want to talk about, and this is another thing with Stephen A. I just last point on Stephen A. I promise. The oftentimes when you look at some of the big ESPN or not, not even ESPN, but just big media personalities. Two things. First of all, I swear, when it comes to a lot of the mainstream personalities, there's only like two to three that like know how to talk about baseball. I swear. No, nobody seems to understand how to talk about baseball in a way that's fun, informative, uh, a mixture of both. Like I, I swear they just don't know what they're doing. There's you still got all these big personalities citing batting average and RBIs. Not that batting average and RBIs are useless and totally mean nothing, but like that's their only stats that they use. Instead of, I don't know, trying to read a little bit more and understanding a little bit more about what we've learned about the game over the last 20 years, sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Um, and the second thing is I remember like Colin Cowherd had a list. I think it was, I think it came out like a year or so ago where he talked about the 10 most famous athletes in the world. I was like, okay, 10 most famous athletes in the world. It's gotta be like, look, we live in the United States, or at least most likely if you're listening to this podcast, I know I have some people listening in Dublin, uh, Ireland, uh, someone sent me that question over on Friday. Go listen to that episode, by the way, my 300th episode. And I answered a bunch of mailbag questions. Um, so shouts to my international listeners, but he was basically like number most famous athletes. It was like LeBron. It, it wasn't even LeBron, number one. It was like Brady, number one. And then there was like two more football players, then Curry, then LeBron. And finally at like number nine was the first soccer player. And I was like, this is great American ignorance right here. The so-called American exceptionalism, which is of course a myth uh, in my opinion, not to get too political, but uh, that was just like, what? You your first you know that the first like five of the six would be soccer players, right? You know what I mean? Like maybe LeBron, and then I don't even think Brady's on there. I don't think any football players on there. We're the only ones who really care about football on such a large scale. You know, absent Canada and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like there really isn't that much of a big football uh, presence across the world. The bigger football is soccer. So uh, shouts to that, and just the the ignorance there, just the ignorance there. Um, but enough of that, guys. It's the most political I've been on the podcast in quite a long time. Hopefully you don't get mad at me for that. Um, but in terms of the actual home run derby, okay, so let, let's let's go into to Shohei Otani. So some people are saying, oh my God, it was a disappointment and he didn't make it past the first round. It was an upset. First of all, if getting upset is losing to Juan Soto in literally anything, I don't care if it's playing cards. I don't care if it's the home run derby. Losing to Juan Soto is never something that we should call it upset. That man is having a quote-unquote slow start, and he's still slashing 280 with a 400 on base. 
You know what I'm saying? He just the only slow start is that he only has 11 home runs. That's basically the only thing. Like he only his power surge uh, didn't really happen until a little bit later in the season. That dude's a monster. And also he hit so many home runs to center field that it didn't. They don't look like home runs immediately off the bat uh, necessarily. But um, it was an upset. But even still, the way I viewed it is: look, my heart. Let me just tell you guys, it was the most excited I'd been about a home run derby in years. The last time I was this excited was maybe I was 20% as excited as I was last night in 2016, just because 2016 was like the first year that they implemented the new rule where it's three minutes straight up. That's how many home run, how much time you have instead of just a set amount of like pitches and balls to hit. It's just, that's what you have. Right. And it, it felt like it, added a speed to the game. It made it more dramatic where you're like, uh-oh, 10 seconds left. Can he get the last two? This is the last pitch. You know what I mean? There was a little bit more uh, excitement to it, a little bit faster pace. And I thought it actually was one of the rare instances where MLB changed the rules. And not only was it, was it, in my opinion, great and effective, it was also viewed by all the MLB fan base as being effective and worked, right? And it's funny because, you know, the MLB fan base half the time uh, can't even agree on, you know, even the most progressive of baseball fans, here's what I'm trying to say, the most progressive of baseball fans will be like, yeah, we need to change up the game and stuff. And as soon as you add a different thing, they're like, no, wait, not that. You know, not the extra innings rule, not the DH, you know, all that stuff, right? And, you know, I still have a lot of respect for a lot of the people that, go against some of those rules but nonetheless I think that a lot oftentimes you know you got to make some sort of change you're not going to necessarily like it all the time but back to uh Mr. Shohei Otani he starts off real slow I actually sent I don't know if any of you guys saw it I sent like a meme tweet a little video of this this llama with like sunglasses and I was like this is how Otani's walking up to the plate tonight and then I got rid of it like 10 seconds into him starting because he wasn't starting well it looked bad, man. It was like he had two home runs over 15 pitches. That's what it felt like, right? He started really slow. It looks like he the pressure got to him, right? He was clearly very, very nervous. He only had four home runs. And then he called the timeout and then just kind of went berserk and hit one of the longest ones of the night. Coors Field absolutely being a blast to hit in. Um, and it lived up to it. I wish that Otani advanced. I really do. But... Given the fact that everyone I know was tuning in and they were locked in, it was an exciting, as exciting a single round in the home run derby that I've ever seen. You could argue Josh Hamilton when he hit like 45 that one year or whatever it was, uh, was up there. And you could argue for worse reasons for at least the Royals fans were seeing Robinson Cano completely flunk at the home run derby that one year, not even hitting a single one was probably a lot of uh, fun for a lot of the Royals fans. And that's a whole nother story. Go look that up in your spare time, guys. But, um, that's how I, I sort of viewed it. I thought that him coming back and we went into the extras, we went into the, the one-minute extra time, and then he had the chance. He had the chance, but it looked like he he pulled it too much. You know what I mean? He just he tried a little bit too hard on that hit, and it was just instead like a line drive. But I like that after the home run, he seems to have calmed down. And he looked exhausted, too. He looked exhausted. in the swing-off ends up going to Ronald Acuna. He hits, he goes three for three. You basically get three balls. You don't have to swing at each pitch, but once you swing at it, that counts as one attempt. Basically like the old format. Uh, you get three and then that's it. And Otani uh, hits a line drive and that was it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Juan Soto confirmed villain, but I will say um, just an electric first round. It really lived up to the hype in terms of that part. I wish Otani advanced, but still at least what we did get was pretty damn exciting. And before we kind of finish up talking about the home run derby, because I have a few more thoughts, especially about who won last night, uh, let me just talk to you guys really quickly about Rock 
rockauto.com guys this episode is brought to you by them with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning is your odyssey lx or ex you know four-wheel drive blah 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 uh, well just use your mobile device or your computer at home you can go to rockauto.com save money and time why choose to spend up to 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, guys. They're very reliable, and they have everything you can need from brake parts, tailings, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, guys, now we're back. Wrapping up my thoughts on the Home Run Derby because I went into a whole bunch of tangents in the first segment. Uh, so let's let, let, let's keep rolling. Let me just first mention, um, I do think that also I'm wondering, and this is just a hypothesis I had. Obviously, I think Otani was nervous. You could tell that once he took that timeout that he started just racking up and hitting all the home runs. I'm also wondering that given the high altitude, and, and, and granted, I just talked about you know how we can't make assumptions, but like I'm wondering if Otani had ever been and played in a ballpark. I don't know exactly what the altitude are is in some places maybe he played in Japan or what have you, but I don't know if he's ever pitched against the Rockies before or played against the Rockies because he's in the American League with the Angels. And I'm wondering if, like, maybe he was thrown out because he looked visibly exhausted at points. So part of me was like, is it possible that the altitude thing is throwing him off right now and he's really having trouble, like, adjusting to it? I don't know. Maybe that's the – I don't know. I'm just wondering if that was an angle that maybe we missed. Of course, maybe I'm missing it and maybe he has played against the Rockies before in an interleague matchup, maybe in 2017, 2016, whatever it was when he debuted. That's possible, entirely possible. But just saying, that might have been part of it too. And then the other thing I wanted to mention – two more things, actually. Uh, first of all, uh, Joey Gallo. Very big upset on his part. I know that Trevor Story was the home crowd guy and all that stuff, and it was fun him doing well, especially because Rockies fans, this might be the only highlight like the rest of your season, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, and he beat Joey Gallo, and Joey Gallo, if there's only one thing that man does, it's hit home runs, it hits bombs. And I was wondering, because I could see it. I love predicting the headlines of like what sports discourse would be. I could see so visibly... Gallo just going off at the home run derby. For the record, I actually got the my pick right. You can ask my friend Drew. Uh, I texted him before the derby. I was like, I think Pete's winning it. Um, but Joey Gallo was another popular pick. He was the two seed. And I was thinking before the home run derby, like, oh, man. You know, you know what's going to happen? He's going to wreck at this, and then everyone's going to be talking about Joey Gallo, home run derby champion. Where is he going at the deadline? Like, he's got to go somewhere. What's going to happen? What team is going to be lucky enough to have this guy? The Rangers should keep him. All this stuff, right? I actually can see that being the discourse. But instead, that didn't happen. He only hit, like, 13, 14 home runs, and Trevor Story beat him. So that was very surprising. And then lastly, of course, Pete Alonso uh, winning it and having a whole lot of swagger, by the way. Yes, I would have liked to see Otani win it at least advance further in the in the derby but Pete Alonso put on a show in the final round when he took his time out he's pumping up the crowd he's waving his arms so he was a showman he was a showman and Pete Alonso is still a very good player uh by the way like not maybe as good as some other first baseman but I actually think that people forget that he's still uh quite good even if he does strike out a bunch he's got the great nickname with the polar bear and I love the swagger I love that he brought that New York attitude he was playing mob deke shook ones part two for that first round when he hit 34 home runs? Come on, man. If everybody hasn't heard that song, boy, you are missing out. Go listen to Mob Deep. 
educate yourself. You know what I mean? Um, and then playing things like Nas. So that was great. Shouts to the Mets fans. Don't get me wrong. The Mets fans aren't miserable or anything. Their team is, in my opinion, very good. And it doesn't look like any team is going to catch up to them. Maybe the Phillies in some way if they get their act together. But otherwise, that's their division to lose. Um, so now, guys, let's transition out of that. Congratulations to Pete Alonso. One of the more fun home run derbies I'd seen in a long time. And I'm hoping that next year, hoping that next year, not only does Otani come back, I'm hoping he does. I'm hoping we also get Vlad Jr. And more importantly... You know he's going to do it next year. You know El Nino, Fernando Tatis Jr., is going to do it next year. You just, you know it. You know it. I actually, I also noticed, I don't know about you guys, but the camera uh, focused in on him a lot last night. Almost as if everybody knows we're missing just one little thing. Don't bring your arm. Otani's like 95% of the interest, but having Tatis in this would have made it 10 times better. Uh, very fun home run derby, and it's easily my favorite of all the skill competition-based things that happen in all all-star festivities and sports. And now let's transition, guys, and talk about the first half season, a tribute to the first half of this Padres season, talking about some of my favorite moments. I'm just going to talk about them very loosely. And by loosely, I mean we're not going to do like a strict ranking or anything. I have two favorite moments personally of the season uh, that are up there for me, and I have a bunch of different reasons for why. But I figured let's just let's just kind of get into it. I mean, there was even like the small things this year, and I know that you know I, I've talked about how Padres fans I think are complaining a little bit too much. That bottom line, it's like a top six record, and yes, they've started off slow in some ways when it comes to some of the poor teams in the league, like the Rockies, even teams like the Pirates that they can't consistently beat them, but then they'll sweep the dive. So very weird on their behalf, but here's the thing is that baseball ebbs and flows, so they can go on a, a crazy win streak coming out of the break, we just don't know. But they didn't struggle against every bad team, you know what I mean? And one of the, my favorite stretches actually started uh, on Friday, May 14th, and it was the beginning of the Cardinals series, right? In this Cardinals series, the Padres were down by a lot of people, right? They didn't have Grisham. I don't think they had Tommy Pham. No, they had Tommy Pham for this one. I think Tatis is out around this time, or at least hurt. Uh, just a, not a lot of great stuff. Uh, really, from the Padres at this point in the season, they they were they were they were still good, certainly, but a lot of injuries had taken place. Um, and then you you go up against this Cardinals team, and then you sweep them. You win five four on Friday, you win thirteen to three on Saturday, and then uh, five to three on Sunday. And it was fun because I was actually visiting my friends in New York and just like watching the games. One of them got home completely hammered and is watching the game with the watching the rest of the game with me on Friday. Uh, and that was really fun. Like when he came back and he's like, "Oh, the Padres are on, huh?" And then you you watching them, you watching this team. It's almost like you cover them or something. And it was it was a lot of fun watching that. And it was it was kind of surprised because the Cardinals at this time, well, they had had fallen off uh, significantly about a month or so later, obviously, with Jack Flaherty going on the IL. They've been a little bit of a mess. Um, at this time, they were looked at as like a top team, top 10 team in baseball. They like they looked really good. So that was a little bit of a surprising sweep for the Padres. And then they even have that game against the Mariners, like, um, you know, after the, the Rocky series, which they, they sweep them. Then they go against the Mariners, and they go 16-1 to in that game, which was a whole lot of fun where we just got home runs from Grisham, we got singles from Pham, we got two home runs from Tatis, or was it two home runs from Tatis? No, it was just one home run from Tatis, but then you had a Tommy Pham triple, Jerks and Profar drove some people in, Uh, Jake Cronenworth hit a home run and everything. Um, It it was really fun. It was really, really fun, and I think that I love a blowout every now and then, but those aren't like my biggest highlights. I think that some of the biggest ones are some of the ones that I imagine people talk about the most, and I think that that's, you know, Tatis, remember, we can't remember this one, guys it happened a while ago but him coming off that injury right the shoulder injury and his first game back playing against the Dodgers hitting a home run uh in that game uh was just so awesome and he said and then 
Nintendo has left the building. The call from Don Arcillo was absolutely electric. I absolutely adored it. Um, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And I think that uh, it was a good example of like, yes, this team is still very good and very deep, but the heart and soul of the team is Tatis. And that was a great example of that. And just in general, all the games against the Dodgers this year, just truly incredible stuff. Cronenworth turning that double play. Uh, some people might be forgetting that one when they up, end up winning their second series against the Dodgers. You know, they lose two out of the three the first time. But remember when he turned that double play? It was like a hot shot, you know, up to second base, and he grabs it somehow and gets to second. It was a crazy double play, uh, and it's very rare, in my opinion, that you get double plays that are that exciting because half the time it's like a slow dribbler or whatever, and then it's like, oh, this looks like a double play ball. That one was like just a great electric defensive play by Jake, who's been one of the better defensive players on the team, if not the best, in this first half of the season. And then... Um, you know, I-, I loved seeing the, you know, when they sweep the Dodgers, when you had that fan who's doing the flipping the bird thing, which was the most respectful of fan interactions we've had over the last month involving whether it was the Padres fan just completely knocking out the Rockies fan, Suns and Four guy. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of crazy fan interactions over the last two months, I guess, with fans being back allowed in the uh, stadiums. But it, w- it was still kind of a, it-, it was still fun to see that moment, I guess. And then you know, the way they ended it when Jake is pumping his chest. Like, you can tell against this last series against the Dodgers, you can tell how much the team knows. Like, they know. They're getting amped for the series against the Dodgers, too. They know. This is the one that we're aiming for. We're coming for the king, and we will not miss, you know? So, those are just some of the the cool moments, I think, from the first half. And then you have, of course, one that happened earlier this week, the Daniel Camarena Grand Slam. You know, everybody's freaking out against the Rockies, or not not the Rockies, against the Nationals. We're going to lose again to a team that's a little bit subpar. I disagree with that. I actually think the Nationals aren't too bad. Uh, but, you know, hitting a Grand Slam off of Max Scherzer in, like, your second ever game, it's your first hit as a pitcher. Camarena, who nobody knew who this guy was uh, before that Grand Slam, just unbelievable. And also in that inning, Max Scherzer hitting two people. And, and allowing a walk-in run. Like, that that just does not happen for Max Scherzer. He's a Hall of Famer, potentially. And it goes to show you that you really never know what can happen in this game. But, of course, as you guys must know, I haven't talked about some of the biggest moments that happened in this first half of the season. I'm going to pay tribute to those two big moments and explain why they were so big. One of them won't need any explanation, really. The other one will a little bit more because I have a little bit of nostalgia, believe it or not, uh, attached to it. Sounds weird, right? But before we talk about that, guys, let me just tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, you got baseball season full swing. You got the all-star game tonight, but they've also got you on all the latest news, odds, and info for everything from the NBA to the NHL to all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use that promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, now we are back and we are getting into the end of today's basically just rumbling kind of, you know, ramblings, I guess, for, for this, today's episode. Uh, talking about my favorite two moments of the first half of this, in my opinion, pretty glorious uh, Padres season so far. Maybe it hasn't been, you know, they're heading for the all-time 2001 Mariners record, but they've been pretty damn good. And I think the first of the two moments is is an obvious one. And I think it's the one that a lot of people are going to remember for a long time. And that is... Wait, firstly, forgot to say, Puerto Rican power, Victor Caratini, another one of my favorite moments, uh, the walk-off home run against the Reds, that was rad. Um, but the first one that's obvious is Joe Musgrove, his no-hitter. 
And it's so funny because there's a couple things, man. There's so many things to this. First of all, first no-hitter in franchise history. Obviously insane. It's one of the ongoing jokes of the league that the Padres have ever had a no-hitter. And if not for hitting one batter, he would have had a perfect game too, which is nuts. And... You have all of that happening. It was at the beginning of the season against the Rangers, a team that we've exacted all sorts of memorable moments against over the last calendar year, basically. And what I loved about it, too, was I was also online. I was literally on a live stream on the now well, formerly known as the Locker Room app uh, with Bryce Paterik of Locked On Rangers. And it was his first time ever doing one of those live rooms and we'd been watching together. And it was only two and a half hours long. And we stayed on because we both, I agreed. I was like, I mean, if he's in the sixth inning, I got to agree to stay on because come on, man. You know what I mean? And it was, it was so cool. He sent me the audio and everything afterwards. And it was just me freaking out saying, Oh, the son of a bitch did it. You know, I was just like, (laughs) did it. The crazy son of a gun did it. It was so much fun. And I think that another thing about it was just, you know, the Locked On Now video that I did of me running through the streets because I was so excited. That was a lot of fun. Got to do it. Do anything for the brand. Anything for the memes, guys. San Diego native Joe Musgrove, and it happened early on in the year. And we can't forget it, man. Season has given us a lot of great moments. All the ones that I've talked about. And now for arguably my favorite. I think Joe Musgrove was the favorite for me, but I'm going to talk about this one because it's my favorite to talk about, right? It's my favorite to talk about. It's not necessarily my favorite moment, my favorite to talk about. And that's Fernando Tatis Jr. against the Houston Astros, uh, the Saturday game, in which he tied the game with two outs, bottom nine, or top nine technically, uh, with a just absolute shot. There's so many things about this, right? It's, it's the fact that everyone was tweeting about it. It's the fact that you have uh, the Astros, who are one of the hottest teams in baseball. It's the fact that you have Don Orsillo with the crazy, it's oh, it's headed onto the track. You know what I mean? That whole thing just going absolutely nuts uh, for the call, the the trot around the bases, the way he stares at the home run, just knowing how to seize a moment, the swag chain, everything. And I remember even, even non-baseball fans were getting excited about it. And I hold it very special in my heart because I was in D.C. that weekend. I was actually at the Nationals game, and I had the, the thankfully I had the Padres game on my uh, phone in order to be able to listen to it. I was live streaming it, and I so it wasn't quite the same as maybe if I'd got to see it in person, or obviously if I got to see it on the TV or whatever. But we were at a Nationals game, not a great Nationals game either. They lost like six uh, two. Some a fun night for sure, but just the fact that I was with my friends, and it was one of the first time I'd hung out with my friends in basically the last year and the crazy year that we've had, right? And just hanging out with them. And just having a moment, I'm going to be full disclosure and reveal a thing where I was like just talking to, to them and I even texted my mom at one point where I was like, do I even deserve this team? Like, it's just such an incredible moment, you know what I mean? And for the fact that that game went into extras and extras again and all that stuff, uh, like it was such an incredible game and we shouldn't forget that one. And I was like genuinely texting and be like, do I even deserve a team this exciting? Like, what did I do to earn this? This team is so, so great. Literally changing my life and my career arc in so many ways, uh, which is crazy. You know, landing me opportunities, and uh, aside from just this podcast, which is in itself a, a great opportunity. But I genuinely got a little like self-conscious. I was like, this is just so nuts. It was a great moment. I'm literally like showing my friend. I was with one of my friends. I was with three of my friends. Uh, two of them are not really baseball people. One of them's a Yankees fan, but not really. Just pay attention to him. And then um, 
The other one barely knows anything about baseball at all. And then my one friend, Drew, who's the one that uh, is from San Diego formerly, and he uh, was a big Padres fan. But he fell off a little bit just because he was there. From the last time he they were good, it was like 06, right? That was the last time where they were good. So he fell off a little bit after he moved here. But he kind of introduced them to me a little bit. And for me to now be covering them and for us to kind of share that little bitty moment together, I just like, Drew, 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 dude. He tied it, you know what I mean? He tied it, like, it was a moment like that, um, and I, I just, it was astounding. I was like, I can't believe it, man, I can't believe it, and we're like, oh, we're jumping up in the air, you know what I mean? We're losing our minds, and everyone's like, what's going on with those two? Like, the Nationals are losing right now, you know what I mean? So, uh, that was still fun, and then there was a couple of moments that were really fun in the Nationals game, but uh, overall, like, I'm really nostalgic for that time, all of a sudden. It's, it's so weird to say I'm nostalgic about something that was only, like, a couple months ago, um, but there was something about just being in D.C. that weekend. It was the first time we're hanging out all day together, you know, playing games, getting some drinks, going to restaurants, all this stuff. Uh, really good restaurants, by the way, and really good dieters and all that stuff. Great food. And just enjoying each other's company and also having this Padres team in the background that's just making my life better and the fact that my friends are there with me and like yeah my other two friends who don't know anything about baseball they do know that the Padres are the team I cover and they're always rooting for them too like they obviously are and I like that I appreciate that my friends are are supportive in that respect you know what I mean so that one I hold really really near and dear to my heart just because of where I was at the moment and admittedly just being like I I can't believe this I even texted my mom I was like do I deserve this team man and my mom said yes basically to, to summarize it quickly um and I, I hope that you guys think that I deserve to cover this team too. And I'm hoping that, you know, we get even more great moments and that if you don't think I deserve to cover this team, then I hope to to prove you wrong. And I hope to hopefully entertain you for the rest of this glorious, glorious season. And now, guys, before we wrap up, let me talk to you about the Locked On Today podcast, guys. This is Shohei Otani's world, and we are all just living in his greatness. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Peter Bukowski does a great job with that. And for tomorrow's show, for tomorrow's show, we are going to be recapping the All-Star game, which should have a whole lot more to talk about because it'll be a full game. Uh, So that'll be the majority of the podcast. And then talking a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, about some of the lowlights uh, of this, this se- the first half of the season. Some bad moments from the Padres, which will only hopefully be one segment uh, long uh, because I don't want to get too miserable. As you guys know, I think the team has been quite good, and I think that the, the they a lot of it is just because they're in third place right now, but it's not them. It's just that the Giants have been really good. But nevertheless, talking about some of my least favorite moments, moments that made me a sad boy. Uh, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. And then later on this week, Thursday and Friday, hopefully, going to be talking with an old buddy of mine, Gabrielle Starr, who no longer hosts the Lockdown Red Sox podcast, but we're just going to be doing a midseason recap, talking about everything. Non-Padres related. I'm going to keep that uh, for another time and what have you, but uh, just doing a little midseason recap, talking about the future and everything, and just hanging out. I think that would be a lot of fun for the end of the week. Um, before we head into this national series, uh, go listen to my crossover with Josh Neighbors from last week if you want to hear just our thoughts on that, our great Tatis versus Trey Turner debate, all that stuff. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Just wherever. And if you don't mind, send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. I would greatly appreciate that. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.